This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Kroisar, hello, welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you with Red 10 People Development. No game gave us plenty of pain. Wrexham's match called off because of the rain. But still, there was plenty to gain. Wrexham remain firmly in the promotion lane. We are poets, we know it. Naif, how was your weekend without Wrexham? I suppose, like the glory days... The best way to avoid disappointment was by not playing at all. And it worked out pretty well for us in the end. Yeah, it did. I was trying to plan my weekend around, obviously, Forest Green. I wasn't able to make it. I was channeling my inner Jacob Mendy Mendy, practicing my Spanish, uh, mi español. And I was at a very lovely Christmas lunch with my Spanish tutor and um, other students. And I was very much getting ready, rushing to make sure that I was back for Forest Green. And then as I was on the way there, Rain, rain, go away, come back another day. Unfortunately, the the game was off. Pitch was flooded. Uh, Phil Parkinson and Steve Parkin had a look. They had no complaints with it in the end. You know, they've spoken since and had no complaints. So Wrexham weekend free. And all it does inevitably, as Rob McElhenney himself pointed out, you just end up looking at the table, looking at everyone else. And it couldn't, Rich, have gone much better for Wrexham. No, it's a, a pretty good one. It's, there's always that interesting debate, isn't there? I think, would you rather have games in hand or points on the board? Because I, I suppose when you when you look at the table, you can almost get carried away and be like, well, we've got three points from that game that we didn't play. But, you know, we could also drop points. So it means there'll be a backlog sometime in the season. Obviously, we've got MK Dons on a Tuesday night because of the FA Cup involvement. We'll now have Forrest Green away on a Tuesday night because of the postponement. Two pretty lengthy trips there. You'd, the players certainly maybe want to do overnighters for them. I know last season there was this there was this habit of trying to fly to as many games as possible because it gave the team that, that edge really and they want to, to take advantage of it. There would be an irony about flying down to Eco Club Forest Green, wouldn't there? Um but yeah, we shall see what, what happens in, in that regard. Like I said, Wrexham second in the table right now, thirty seven points, six points off the top with a game in hand. Worth noting as well that Wrexham are level with Barrow, who are in a similar position, and below us. Crew are a point below us, have a game in hand, and Mansfield are a point below us, have a game, oh, two games in hand on, on the rest of the pack as well. So there's a lot of permutations. I do think, you know, it was a very good weekend. Let's not gloss over that. But I do think, you know, that sometimes you can just take for granted that a game less played means that we've got a guaranteed three points coming up somewhere. It doesn't always work like that. And you never know the quirk of the league. Forest Green could be an informed team by the time we've got to play them. I mean, who knows? I mean, we had the preview, didn't we, last week, that Troy Deeney would have been bang up. Yeah, for, they were we looking for a response. Saves a bit of work later in the season, doesn't it? Well, look, we've got, a, we, we've got our man in the know now with Forest Green, so we can get him back on. Um, it, I mean, look, consolation for the players. They got their Christmas night out in London. 
I think they ended up, some of them went to Winter Wonderland. Uh, I saw posts on Instagram. So I'm sure they had a good weekend, a nice weekend off to, to recharge. And yeah, I am rich, a self-confessed points on the board, man. Admittedly, I'd rather just get those points on the board rather than have games to play. But it was taken out of Wrexham's hands. And also with the injuries we've got, imagine forcing the game to go ahead or pressuring the ref to, to get it on. I'm sure Forest Green were desperate to get it on, given that you know, it was going to be their record crowd of the season. Now you'd obviously imagine that it won't be that on on a Tuesday night, and who knows where they'll be by the time it's played. If it's played in February, March, April, they could be cut adrift, or they might just be in no man's land by that point. So you'd imagine that's frustrating on their part. But we've got so many injuries. Which imagine if we'd have had a serious injury, and how frustrated we would have been then that we wouldn't have taken uh, more care and had a bit more TLC on the group. So I've taken it for what it is. I'm, I've got no issue with the postponement. I I have got issue with the fact it was at eleven thirty. I mean, surely that pitch could have been checked. I know the referee supposedly was coming from quite far away and couldn't have got there any earlier. That was definitely the intimation. Um, but I don't know. It's in the past. We move on. We don't play Forest Green. We've got Colchester this weekend, and we'll soon find out if that rest has done us the world the good, Rich, or has left us a little bit uh, cold in the winter. Interesting as well. I know you mentioned there about the the timing of the postponement. It is one of those where it's lose lose almost. If you postpone it the day before, was that like what we had with Chesterfield with a frozen pitch? You get pelters because it's like, well, why didn't you give it as much time as possible? Why did you not try give as, as you know as much guidance as you could, or you leave it late in the best hope of getting the game on, and then you have to you know upset people who are already on their way down there. So it's a really difficult one, isn't it? And yes. Because I think you're you're always gonna lose lose again. Ideally, it would have been better if if the call had come earlier in the day. But as we took to social media, it did get us thinking about memorable postponements. Usually, for, obviously for for the wrong reasons. I do remember when I was at working on the Rex Media team. I remember them getting up so early to do Talkie away. It was that 2016 or so, 2015, and it got postponed in like an hour or two before kickoff. And anyone who did Talkie away last season will know what a bloody grueling journey that is. And that's not even to go watch Champions in action. That was to go watch just slog it out in. Was it like an FA Cup qualifying round or FA Trophy or something? And oh my God, it was... Rich, before was... before I give my example, I remember going for work purposes. I had to do a match at Stockport and I got there. To, I was about to go through the turnstile at Edgeley Park. And as I got to the turnstile, the steward said to me, it's off, mate. Um, turn back around and I had to head home so that was a long old trip but for me and I'm sure this gets a mention in our social media post about famous um, or memorable postponements older shot uh, a season or two ago when the well, brushes swear, were out we, on the did, pitch didn't we get an injury in that game did, I, all, I swear someone went off injured although someone got a knock in that match and all I remember is just Aaron Hayden and Christine Dibble with squeegee, uh, squeegees and, and Paul and Mullen with a towel. towel. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Football heritage, that one. Um, but we did take to social media, as Rich said. Um, we posted on Rob Bryan Red. Thank you so much for all the support on that. We're, Rich, staggeringly, was somehow near 38,000 followers, which is absolutely about 37,500 more than we probably deserve. But thank you so much for all the people that keep spreading the word and, and people that are finding us through friends of friends. It's very much appreciated. We had a couple of nice messages, Rich, in recent weeks of people who've just discovered the podcast so we really hope you like it and you keep listening. But as for the post we put, today's postponement got us thinking, what are your most memorable postponement horror stories? Now, Bryn Law, who people will know from Radio Wales, uh, does the commentaries and various other broadcasting outlets. He put, Rich, for his, he put Forest, Nottingham Forest away in the FA Cup in 1982. Neighbour drove us, heater up, he'd accelerate, decelerate. It's a windy road journey. I used to get car sick anyway. It felt like death. Um, threw up multiple times en route. I arrived at the city ground and a copper taps on the window. It's off. Try again tomorrow. Not ideal, is it? Windy road back. Rich Watkins tried to top that. Rich Watkins, a fat boar, carnivore and um, mice Gwyn fame. He put Barry Town away in the Welsh Premier Cup. I'm old now, but I reckon it was 30 minutes before the game was due to kick off. It was postponed. And that was a long old way to go on a Tuesday night. Honourable mentions for Bournemouth and Grimsby back in the day. Annette has gone with Aldershot and the towel fiasco. Gareth has put, back in 2003, I went to Boston away. I got all the way up there. And as we got to the ground, we heard on the radio it was off. We still went to the ground and they let us in and I had a kickabout on a boggy pitch. 
which is absolutely superb. I'll give you one more then. Um, Anthony Humphreys has put, uh, oh, not so far as to wear again in the FA Cup. Let's find a different one. Oh, here's one then. Just Evans has put Shrewsbury at home, early 2000s. We, the Hollywell Reds, sponsored the game and we were just tucking into the pre-match dinner and we're about 10 pints deep and then they announced the game was off. Didn't believe them. Looked like So I looked through the director's box and it was a lake. So there you go. I like that the Spirit of 78 had numerous ones to throw forward, which you know is always a sign, which is good. Um, Cardiff away, 1988. Jacko driving the bin line transit van, got as far as Lempster when news came through the game was off. Club call confirmation on that one. Also folded up Halifax away in the late 80s, called off just after 2pm. Quick dash to watch Bradford versus Oxford in the FA Cup. Dean Saunders was playing for Oxford. They lost 4-2. Jacko once again was driving the minibus that day. Um, Andy Ball and Andy Morell both gave a shout-out to Braintree away. Um, I think Andy Ball said he'd been on the bus for nine hours when they found out that oh. the, uh, the game was getting kicked off. Uh, getting postponed, sorry. And um, There are so many examples here. I do urge you to go and check out the, the thread because... Rich, let me, let me give you one more before people are going to go and flock to this thread because it is, honestly, it's brilliant. I have some stories I've never heard before, but one from Ian Williams and also shout out to Jonathan Crew. Both mentioned the West Ham Cup game. Ian Williams put West Ham away in the FA Cup in midweek. I got to a pub in Leicester Square only to get told it's off. Had to drive home in thick fog. And Jonathan's version was uh, West Ham for the replay. There were no smartphones back then. And I overheard a Hammers fan telling his mate it was off due to fog. I was one tube stop away, um, which is a long old way from Wrexham. So that was a brilliant thread. I loved all the responses. Um, Thanks to everyone who replied to that. Halifax, Northampton, Nottingham, Bournemouth. There's so many games. Um, Do check it out. But yeah, Rich, uh, my cousin was there. He was uh, on the way to Forest Green. He he texted me saying, what is there to do in Nailsworth? So that was his Saturday. um, Not much, and that includes the football ground. I mean, yeah, I've I've been there once before and I watched Wrexham hold on for a nil-nil draw with nine men. I think Connor Jennings and Sean Newton both got sent off that day. It was quite a nice sunny one. Um, I was... We had to commentate from the stand because there was no press box at the time. And right. we got abused by the Forest Greener press officer who called us the worst swear word imaginable. Let's put it that wow. way. Wow. What a lovely story. Um, nice and so professional. Yeah, congratulations to your relegation to the National League. I, I will yeah. be toasting that if that happens. We um, will see. We're not on this podcast. We're not bitter But Rich, at I'm all. Gonna, this, is a good, this is a good point to, to link. And we're going to do a, a, a more in-depth mailbag later in the podcast but this one from dennis who is you'll be glad to know rich in the 0.1 percent of fans that have listened to us this year he's listened to 8543 minutes of us on spotify which is absolutely incredible thank you so much for the support how many minutes did you say sorry 8543 minutes this year he's listened to us which is remarkable that equates i mean how much that equates a minute uh sorry yeah are you, right? you you got confused for the maths? He's in a he's in a very he's listened to us a lot. I was just lot, trying basically. to work out how many like, days of his life he'd spent listening to the podcast. I mean, while I read this out, you can try and figure out eight thousand five hundred forty-three into days. Um, but it's eight thousand five hundred forty-three minutes. Uh, he has written my question for you both. And I'll refer to both of us on this. Rich, he puts, I loved hearing. Or I love hearing all your road warrior stories. Again, we've just read out a load there from different people um, and always, always about away games, how difficult some places are to get to, stuff you run into along the way and how many stadiums we reckon we've been to over the years. When you think of away days, and I love away days, I say to people in work that you know the race course is hallowed turf and it is amazing to go back there. But away days is something special. How many days have you got there? Five? You've just put it up shy, on the screen. Just shy of six days listening to us nonstop. Six days. Congratulations, Dennis. That's that six days you will, never, you will never get back. Um, away days then, Rich. Some of my favourites. I mean, obviously, in recent times, we've mentioned Coventry almost every podcast. Um, Wealdstone, when the stand collapsed, had an amazing Thai curry uh, on the way home and got very, very drunk on the tube home. Um, but I've got, I've got loads. I remember when I was a mascot at um, Stockport County, so for Wrexham, and I just remember being in the dressing room and kind of being away from home. I remember Rich Watkin had ran to get me the kit the night before because I didn't have a little full kit. And I remember being in the changing room. It was like 
Brian Carey and Dennis Lawrence and Ben Foster and Juan Ugarte and Darren Ferguson, people like that. And the the stench of deep heat was overwhelming me as a child. Um, it was it was cooking me alive, basically. Um, but yeah, what are your kind of I don't know away day stories? I know you obviously did plenty as the the media team, but have you ever had any away day fiascos? You had one recently at Mansfield when a friend of the pod had to help you get a ticket. Oh, that was hell! Yeah, that was hell. That was Manchester Reds. That was us trying to leave Manchester. Um, so the traffic was. We we'd agreed to meet like sort of north of Manchester to then get a lift to to Mansfield, and that proved to maybe even be our downfall because it, we got. It's one of those where it took me forty five minutes to drive like two miles just to get to the meeting point, and you know when you get in the car. When we got in the car, the ETA for Mansfield was about. 20 past eight bear in mind it's a quarter to eight kickoff uh so you you think well even even if we leave now we will miss the first half potentially but credit credit to matt from the manchester reds the laws that he must have pushed to the limits we got there the second at least second the game kicked off we were there um but yeah i mean traveling with i've I've said before i think if you're if you're local to a, a supporters group then you're going to have some tales to tell. And the Manchester Reds have a plethora of those. And I I just bet every single group does. There's been so many stories. Lots of stories I'm not even sure I should be saying on a podcast, really, because, yeah, I'm just not sure if they are for, for the public sort of sphere Consumption, yet. public consumption. Yeah, maybe I'll get a list of, of stories we can tell for a future episode. But I think that is just part of it for me. And I think, again, that's why North American fans love Wrexham so much is because away day culture is just not really a thing in North American sports due to the distances you travel. You get them for local games, but you know, if you support a MLS team or an NFL team, you can't be, you can't be going to away days every single week. There's just not the same sort of subculture of it all really. And I think most football fans, I mean, being at the Kairas, that's where the special moments that feels at home, but an away day, you just cannot beat that thrill of Going even going somewhere new, hopefully winning, just having a good day out with your mates, and they're just the most memorable games. There's very few away days that you completely forget, but there's a lot of home games that you do just that just mean nothing to you really. But there's there's there is just something about going on the road for me, and that excitement when you sort of get to that age and you can first start going to these away matches, it's brilliant. And again, the quirk of football fans and sports fans in general. Most of my geography knowledge comes from away days or checking where that is on the map. There's you places that there are places that no one should know where it is on the map. But oh. but from following Rex and we know it. I was thinking today about when we lost to Stamford in the FA Cup. And if you told me Bad. to put, point out where Stamford was on a map, I wouldn't be able to tell you that it's about six, seven miles or whatever outside of Peterborough. But I know because I was there when Sean Harad scored to make it one all. And I was there when they did as three two in the in the replay, the race course. That is just the beauty of, of following a team home and away for me. Rich, I mean, look, there's you know, Notts County this season. I think will live long in the memory as an away day. Just everything about it was just as close to quintessentially perfect away days you can get. Easy run to get to for a lot of people. Great atmosphere. You know, this rivalry that's built up between the two teams. We won, amazing. But yeah, some of the ones I remember going to Eastleigh. Um, and I was walking Southampton Airport Parkway. If you get the train down, I was walking like I lost. I didn't have any data left on my phone, so I couldn't figure out where I was going. There wasn't a Wrexham fan in sight by the time I get there. I got there. I got there so early, ambling around what looked like some kind of housing estate. Anyway, I finally made it. We were side on, and we drew one all. And Graham Stack was doing a gesture. I'm not going to repeat on this video, um, but was doing a gesture that was uh, not super well received as you can imagine as he ran down the tunnel um to Wrexham so there's been there's been some horror shows I mean I always say Ebb's fleet in the rain was at the Cufflink Stadium was an absolute grueler um Kidderminster away Woking away when I genuinely for the, I don't think I've ever been as cold as I was sat up behind well, for the Wrexham goal fans of a Woking. certain era it's not that that old at all to particular they will remember so fondly Sean Newton's free kicker Kidderminster away, Agborough was that a three-one win? In what felt, I think it was the first few weeks of the season, and it felt like this was finally our year. Yeah, for, for me, in recent years, 
the best away dates have been Oldham and, and Halifax, I think, for, for the fact that we're both in the Northwest, we weren't last second in both of those games through Paul Mullin. And it was just limbs. Just Rich, limbs. you know what? You know what? The amazing, and I show people, and they can't even believe the game ever went ahead. That picture um, away at Macclesfield, where it's just it. They were trying. They were like shoveling yeah. snow off the pitch. It is just covered. Like someone sent me a picture. I think it might be Daniel. Um, that will be you in that. the uh, temporary stands for Newport at home. I'm desperate for that temporary stand. I know we're going to get onto that shortly, but I'm desperate to get a ticket for that. So if anyone has uh, lucky enough and they have a spare, then uh, please think of your podcasting friends. But yeah, away days, Dennis. Thanks for the question and thanks for all the responses to the postponement story. It is part of the fun, part of the experience, um, and you know, for every. Ebb's fleet and for every uh, forest green where you get sworn at, there's a uh, Coventry and there's a um, Wembley in there. There's a Grimsby when I got tripped up in a McDonald's. There's a there's lots. There's lots and lots and lots. And um, let us know your stories. RobRyanRed at gmail dot com. If you're watching this segment on YouTube, go check out the full podcast episode, which will continue without you guys watching. Sorry if you have been continue. watching us on YouTube because I've really not been paying attention to the camera. Uh, it's fair enough. It's all right, mate. It's absolutely fine. But I just um, forget that because an audio podcast primarily, I will be in a little world of my own. So I also feel like if, if we if we stare directly down the camera, is that intimidating? Is that yeah, it's you a bit know, uncomfortable. I feel like it would make, eyes, you know actually. what I mean? I feel like it, it would put me off. But anyway, if you're watching on YouTube, do go and check out the full podcast on Spotify. As always, keep sending us your Spotify uh, raps. And without further ado then, Rich, I guess onwards with the podcast. So on the day of recording this on, on Wednesday, the Wrexham Supporters Trust have published the results of their special general meeting. Of course, we all know that regarding the, the race course lease, they still had, had ownership of that really. So there was, uh, we, we discussed it in the past on on the podcast, both sides of the story really, of why Wrexham wanted, the club now wanted the lease to be sort of, handed over to them so that they had freedom to do what they wanted with the cop redevelopment and we also gave the point of view from the WST that look they're trying to protect the club they they're just very fearful still of of asset strippers as you would be considering what's happened to the past of the club and they're going to be cautious no matter what and they have published the results now though of the uh of the vote from from what is happening. There was two resolutions. Resolution one was the approval of the lease surrender and related matters. That got 95.4% votes for, 4.6% against, and four people abstained. And then there was the approval of winding up WST Assets Limited. That got 93.5% for, 6.5% against, 18 people abstained from that. So both results will be carried forward. A Statement from the WST read that the board will now work with our legal advisors and the club's advisors to finalise the necessary legal documentation to conclude the surrender of the lease to be replaced with legally binding covenants. In addition, the board will also register the rule amendments with a financial conduct authority. We anticipate that the work will be completed early in the new year. It's the red tape, really from behind the scenes, but I guess what it means in all for most Wrexham fans day to day is that, look, a lot of faith is being put in those these owners that, that at least is being surrendered. A lot of people would never have expected that to, to have happened. They are extremely special circumstance. That is the ultimate trust in Robin Ryan and those at the top of the club that we are handing over such precious goods in legal ease to them and look it's evident of the special circumstances that we've got and how exceptional we are that we feel we've got the trust and the faith in the ownership to to be able to carry it out and act in the club's best interest not just now but but forever really but it is maybe what we need now to push ahead with the redevelopment of of not just the cop but the the rest of the stadium in general because obviously not owning the lease just scuppers things a bit and slows things down and you can't act with real authority and you can't make huge decisions without getting them approved. So it should hopefully speed up those processes. But on the other hand, you know, look, not that Robin Ryan needs to be told, but this is a big deal and there's no indication it will backfire against us. But 
I can see why some people voted against it and were sceptical because when you've been so close to the brink like Wrexham have been, you can't just hand it over without questioning the motives. I was more I was I was more surprised at the voter turnout rather than the 17 that voted against it. You're always going to get people who just our you know are I mean there are probably still a handful of people now that would you know jump back to fan ownership in a heartbeat and that's you know very much their opinion and their decision. Um but you know to have only I think it was I think the talk was less than 45% turnout for the vote which is quite surprising to me. I thought that was quite low. I mean, that maybe there are people that have lost details or, um, you know, just weren't too bothered and felt like it was going to pass anyway. But anyway, um, yeah, surprisingly low turnout. I think even the trust were were probably surprised by that. But look, it's passed unanimously. And it is, you know, Rob and Ryan have had the freedom of Wrexham and, you know, they have delivered in what they said. They vowed to put Wrexham on the map, on the global map. They've done that. They are promoting the Welsh language. They're doing wonders for Wales, far more than most of these politicians uh, have and will ever probably do, Rich, in terms of awareness. And, you know, they've given us no reason so far to not give them our complete trust. I know there's been, you know, um, assets stripped or attempts at asset stripping in the past, but people like Barry and others at the Trust have worked really hard, actually, to get structures in place covenants in place i mean i think the club were helping them with um funding or the legal operation and so the, the club have been fully cooperative they just need this some of this red tape out of the way we saw in the documentary how bothersome it is for rob McElhenney to to have all this red tape he cannot believe how many structures are in place for phosphates and he, he must have gone up the wall and just he just wants to pay for things and get stuff done and you know Amazing how quick the temporary stand's gone up, but to really make headway in terms of transforming the race course and making it the best it can possibly be and reach its capacity, whatever that capacity is, you've got to try and cut some of this red tape loose. And this is a big step forward towards that. Yeah, absolutely. I think we we are in agreement of that. But like I said, I don't want to to be almost just be pointing at the WST and saying, why didn't you hand it over quicker or ever and and, and say that you know it was I, I, it wasn't a straightforward decision for some people to make and you can understand why people would vote against it, but it's happened now. We're getting closer and yeah, it should be interesting to see what other developments are down the pipeline for the Kairos. So Naif, some positive injury news as well. Like we said, Wrexham didn't play at the weekend, but still a lot of positivity, not just the results going our way, but the imminent return of a number of key players as well. Yeah, one of the questions we've got asked this week is what is going on with Anthony Ford? When can we get Anthony Ford back? I mean, I think from what I've gathered, Anthony Ford is targeting the Newport game for his return, which would be December the 23rd. And look, if it's not that one, Swindon. And games are coming thick and fast. You've got Colchester, you've got Newport, you've got Swindon, you've got Walsall, and then you've got Barrow. Big games there. Swindon are not going to be easy. That's going to be one of the final games you would imagine. They've got Dan Kemp and Jake Young. They're going to want to keep adding to their goal tally. It's an away game. That'll be tough. Barrow are right up there. That is a tough game. Newport will be bang up for it. Is it our first clash with them in God knows how many years? Um, Not since the promotion final, is it? Or have we played them in the Cup since then? We've probably played them in the Cup since then. Um, But, you know, they are going to be bang up for it. Walsall will be no mugs on their own patch. You know, they won't want to get turned over at home. So need players back. Anthony Ford closing in on a return. Ryan Barnett still got some work to do, I think. But he did travel. I was told that he did head down with the group for Forest Green. I know there was the Christmas due and everything. So I wasn't told exactly where he was at in terms of his recovery. But Fletcher, Stephen Fletcher, who we were thinking would be out until the new year, He's pushing for his return. He's doing really well and, and making good headway in his recovery. I think he too is targeting maybe the Swindon game, if not the Newport game. But definitely he wants to be back over the festive period, which would be a massive boost. Particularly, I think, Rich, because I think we've looked a little shy of game-changing options off the bench since he's gone down. And that's trying to not be too disrespectful. But I think we saw in the um, Bristol Street Motors game when you lose a couple of players to injury, the drop-off is fairly stark. And people like Fletcher coming back, people like Ford, they do offer you that level of quality. That is first-team quality. That could start a game for us, never mind off the bench. So 
Ford, Fletcher, um, Owen O'Connell still doing some work, as is Barnett, but they're not far away. Ford and Fletcher are the ones I think are really pushing Barnett and uh, Owen O'Connell. I think you would hope that they'll be back before the new year. Tonicliffe is a, is a strange one. I think that niggling back problem. I'm fortunate, Rich, to this point in my life, nearly 28 years old, I've not had a niggling back problem, but I know for players that it never seems to clear itself up. It always just seems to niggle at you and that's, one little twinge, whole, you panic. I guess that's the definition of a niggle, isn't it? It's always just... More a twinge, just... I think, with the back. I, I, do backs niggle or do backs twinge? I'm going with twinge, but... Yeah, um, I think it's, you know. they've just got these these little reoccurring issues that are always very difficult for them to to sort of iron out. But I guess in terms of injury news as well, that Phil Parkinson revealed that Rob Layton has had more knee surgery and will be out for four months. Um, it's a it feels it's a like crying a sad shame. End it, it's a, a, it's, a cry, it's a crying shame, Rich. It's a crying shame, and there'll be an episode that comes up where we will just probably just go through an entire catalogue of our favourite Rob Layton moments because he's given so much to the team through the thick and the thin, and it is just it's such a sad way to go out. I know it was a sad way that Harry Lennon went out, but Rob Lainton's given us so much and has been so great and he doesn't deserve for it to end like this, but it does feel like the end is near for him. Not just yeah, with us, I think in football. Yeah, he's already seen three different specialists. The the toll that must take on you just mentally and yeah, it's it's unless you've been in that situation, it's I, I'm not going to pretend to know or act like I know what on earth it must be like, that struggle of... Because of, 34 in football terms might sound old, but in terms of real life and the real world, he's still a young man and he's got a young family. We saw in season one of the doc, what a nice down-to-earth normal guy, a reluctant footballer, really. He just goes home. He wouldn't be telling people he's a footballer. He doesn't show off. He's got no, no that bravado. He just gets on with it. He's just very talented at what he does. And he obviously won't leave as a Wrexham legend, but he'll leave as a Wrexham great and a hero and someone that Wrexham fans adore because he was there for his free, free fin and he was our best player and he could always have left. There was always this feeling that, look, this is a football league goalkeeper, the best keeper in non-league and he stuck with us. And I'm glad that we stuck with him throughout his rehabilitation and I'd love it if when you know the time does come, whenever that might be, and he has to hang up his boots, that there's a role and we could facilitate it for him if he wanted to and he can have that life and appreciation at Wrexham because obviously he won't be getting a testimonial, you wouldn't think, but it would just be nice for him to either one have a formal send off a day where you know he gets a he gets comes out on the pitch and we can give him a standing ovation and he can have that moment and that thank you. And yeah, maybe long term a role for him at the club or some sort of recognition for what he's done because I think particularly there's a reason why him and Luke Younger are loved. They're both brilliant players who stuck with us. And they both could have left. They've been brilliant servants to the club. And I just hope that we show our class with both of them. Yeah. They're rich, they're incredibly relatable guys. And I think uh, Rob, Rob Lainton as well, every time I speak to a player, they always say that he is one of the funniest guys in the dressing room. He's got the driest sense of humour they've potentially ever known. He is just so funny. And I remember speaking to Jake Hyde when we recorded that podcast. And he said, honestly, if you go on any of these nights out, I know they've just had their Christmas night out. And I hope that. Leighton was able to get along to that. They said they all gravitate like a moth to a flame around Leighton. He is so funny, so witty. And yeah, I'm sure that's partly the reason we're keeping him around the place, not just to support him with his own rehab, but he is a great presence around the place and he just makes it a better place for, you know, imagine you're Liam Hall, he's young, goal, young goalkeeper or McNicholas or a Conquo or even Avon Davison. People like Rob Leighton must be an absolute dream to work with. And look, we don't want to write his obituary yet in terms of his career obit. It, it, who knows? Miracles happen, Rich. You never know. He might recover from this third surgery. It would be amazing it... to watch him one last yeah, time, yeah. at least yeah. in a rugby yeah. shirt, wouldn't it? So, look, who knows? But on the Ford and Fletcher front, particularly on the Fletcher front, Rich, I feel like you got to witness so many great Fletcher moments behind that goal in the tech end. His return feels both timely and, look, we don't know. We've spoken recently about you know Armstrong and all that, but Fletcher's return would be huge, wouldn't it? Absolutely, because it's that experience. It's someone that Parky trusts and it's someone who's got a proven track record of, of changing games for us. He's just got that class. And yes, his 
I mean, he's a player who's kept himself in remarkable shape, but you can tell he's a player who's, who's gradually on the decline. But whenever he comes on, I've, I've likened him to sort of Glenn Little in the past for me. Someone who's just got that aura about him, that class. He makes everything look so easy. His first touch is brilliant. He's lethal in front of goal. Arguably, you know, in a way, our best finisher. You'd say. I know people say Bickerstaff's the best finisher at the club, but if the ball was dropping someone in the box... Part of me would still say, yeah, I want to drop to Stephen Fletcher because he's been there, he's done it at the highest level. I know Mullen's the main man. I know that. I'm, maybe I'm just being pedantic and being a bit of a football hipster here because I like <laughs> like him in his man butt. But yeah, I think he's a he's a brilliant player. And I think particularly if he can come back before January and prove his fitness, then that does maybe upset the apple cart a bit in terms of our January plans because we've said that we need to be ruthless. It's about having someone who's going to be available between now and the end of the season, having an extra striker that firepower, that could be the difference between playoffs and automatic promotion. If Fletcher's fully fit, he can be that guy. It's just, can he be fully fit? That's the only question mark on on him. But I love him. I think the fans love him as well. He just seems class. He seems a really nice, likeable guy as well. And like you said, in terms of Leighton, this is a guy who, who brings experience. And every other Wrexham striker will be learning from him. Even, I mean, because usually you'd say, oh, well, What's it like playing with Paul Mullen? What's it like playing with Oli Palmer? These two guys are looking up to Stephen Fletcher because he's another cut above. He's gone and done things they will never do, ultimately, in football. And most of the players in that squad will never do. You've got McLean and Fletcher, international Premier League quality players. It is priceless what they are offering Wrexham right now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rich, before I delve into the mailbag for a couple of emails, you've been getting us the Colchester lowdown. And really, I, I hadn't realised, before we get into it, um, I hadn't realised that Elliot Lee and Ben Tozer both had spells at Colchester early in their careers. Um, you have Phil Parkinson, I'm sure he comes up in your chat. He's regarded as what one of their great coaches, if not Colchester's greatest. Um, and, and I'm sure he'll get... Uh, yeah, look, there'll be some pantomime boos, I'm sure, but largely Colchester fans will show their appreciation. I've no doubt about that. On paper, like Forest Green, it seems very straightforward, but it isn't always the case, is it, with these kind of games, Rich, where the term free hit definitely applies to a team like Colchester coming to Wrexham? Well, if you've ever listened to a Wrexham, a Rob Brown Red podcast before, you'll know that we can make a case for any team to beat Wrexham on their day, no matter where they're from, no matter how many players they've got. They might never have played a professional football match again, but they've always got a chance against Wrexham because we have been there, we have suffered, we've had it all before. But yeah, ahead of our clash with Colchester, before we get onto the clash, I do just want to say that um, Nicola, who people might remember from the podcast in the past, Aaron's Army, we helped uh, promote that, of course. She is doing a bucket collection at the Wrexham match this weekend. So if you see Nicola or any of her helpers about, please, if you've got the money, donate generously to that that fantastic cause that we've promoted on the podcast below. And she's also still looking for any of her volunteers to help out with the bucket collections, if at all possible. If you listen to this, you go into the game at the weekend, you've got some, some time to to spare then yeah if you can help Aaron's army of course the the young man who was taken by brain cancer back in April then please let us know there is a tweet on our feed from Hypnotics Will Sudworth that we've retweeted get in contact with them on on that feed if if you can help and if you can't please 
if you've got the money, then donate. But yeah, ahead of our clash with Colchester this weekend, I thought, let's get the opposition low down. We we don't know much about Wrexham, never mind about Colchester. We're bluffers. But John Waldron, he is a sports journalist working for the Gazette. He has been in the industry for 22 years. I believe he's been covering Colchester for about 16 of those 22 years. He knows all about the club. He knows all about the U's. He knows all about Phil Parkinson's time there. And here is what he had to say ahead of their trip to North Wales. So John Wrexham at home to a team who are battling relegation. I think the home fans would be expecting three points this weekend. What is the Colchester point of view heading into the match at the race course? Yeah, it's been a difficult time for Colchester over the last few games. Um, four league defeats in a row. Um, and the last couple of performances have been particularly sort of under par, shall we say. Um, very disappointing, especially um, when Matty Everington took over as the interim head coach. Uh, he made a really, really good start, um, got four, um, 10 points out of 12, um, and it could have easily been 12 out of 12 had they not conceded a stoppage time goal against uh, Sutton at home. Um, but then recently, um, the form hasn't been so good. And um, as I say, those league defeats coupled with the EFL trophy um, heavy loss to West Ham United under 21s um, at home, that that was a real blow as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's been tough times for Colchester United over recent weeks. And um, in some ways, they may actually see Saturday's game as a chance to sort of go and prove a few people wrong, perhaps. There's, there's been a, little, a lot of criticism of the performances and uh, so on, and, and no one will expect them to get anything, I'd imagine, on Saturday. So in, in some ways, the pressure might be a little bit off them um, in terms of getting the result. What was the expectation from Colchester point of view headed into the season? What were, what were they honestly sort of expecting? Uh, I think playoffs at the very minimum, really. I mean, the the, the manager came in, Ben Garner, um, uh, in March time, took over from Matt Bloomfield when he went off to Wickham and um, made a good start as head coach and, and got results, kept them in the division, which was ultimately his, um, his main kind of goal. Um, and then the club, to be fair to them, backed him in the transfer window over the summer. He brought in a lot of players, as the club did, and um, you know players that Ben wanted to, to have in his squad to suit the way that he wanted to play. Um, he was particularly un- unlucky with injuries. Um, there's been a fair few over the last few weeks for Colchester, um, especially sort of on the left side. Um, the, the first player he brought in was Elisey Andalo. Um, from um, Swindon, his old club, and um, he got injured in the first league game that they played, and that was a real blow because he was pivotal really to the way that they want to play and wanted to play under Ben Garner. And there's been other sort of factors as well that played their part in in Colchester sort of not having the the first few months that they would want in League Two this season, and and ultimately sort of Ben Garner paid the price for for that with um, you know with his job. So um, it's been it's been pretty disappointing given the expectation levels were quite high in the summer among the club and the fans in terms of trying to have a better season than they've experienced over the last few years in League Two where you know ultimately they've been struggling against relegation. In terms of, I mean, this is my insight here looking at them on flash scores. It seems that they play a 3-5-2, similar system to, to Wrexham's. I mean, who are the who are the players we should be wary of this weekend and, and is that a system? I mean, what type of style of football would you put as the Colchester United style this season? Yeah, I mean, the 3-5-2 is predominantly the main formation that they've used but Matty Everington has tried different things in terms of tactics and systems and we've seen four at the back sometimes we've seen a diamond in midfield um, the three at the back with wing backs so um, he's trying to find the best formula I think with the personnel available to him to to get results and um, it may be another change on Saturday after you know the result that they had on uh, at the weekend against Crawley Town so um, the players to watch I mean Joe Taylor stands out he's on loan from Luton Town um, he's done fantastically well since he came in on loan um, in the summer, um, and one of the league, one of the league's top goal scorers at the moment. He, he scored the consolation goal against Crawley last weekend. Um, he's shown that he's a fantastic finisher, and he's a player with a lot of potential. He's only sort of you know early twenties, and um, I think Luton will be very pleased with the way that he's performed um, at Colchester over the last few months. So he's definitely one to watch out for. I'd say as well the midfielder Arthur Reed, uh, who came in from Stevenage about. 
year ago uh, in the transfer window has been been excellent this season and 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 um, has really taken his game to another level after performing pretty well last year as well for Colchester. So those two guys um, really stand out. And another player to watch out for is Jaden Fevrier. He's um, really exciting winger. Uh, he came in from West Ham United last season from their academy. He didn't make a first team appearance there, but he's a player with a lot of potential and. Um, Slightly war in some ways, perhaps you know he's got, still got stuff to learn. But he's when he gets on the ball and runs at, at fullbacks in particular, he's really exciting to watch. And um, you know, with a manager like Matty Everington in charge at the moment, who obviously made his name as a, a winger in the Premier League, um, you know, he's got no one better to learn from really. So there, there's some exciting players in this team, despite the, the league position at the moment. When I look at the squad from a, a Wrexham point of view, I mean, two names sort of stand out. One is Fiacra Kelleher, who was at Wrexham what, two years ago, three years ago. He's one of the players who wasn't kept on sort of when Phil Parkinson took over. How's he getting on? Because he always did seem like a player who, you know, he played football in that season where there was no fans in the stadium, so we never got a proper look at him. But he always seemed like someone who kind of maybe was one who got away from Wrexham. It was interesting when we did release him. Yeah, he's, he's a really popular player at Colchester United. He actually captained the team last Saturday in the absence of Connor Hall, the club captain, who's uh, currently injured at the moment. And uh, I can't think of anyone better uh, other than Connor himself to be captain because Fikras is a real leader. Um, you know, you can hear his voice bellowing out at the back um, and uh, he's got the respect of his teammates. And uh, he's really had a good time at Colchester. You know, he came in um, about a year ago in the, in the transfer window and hit the ground running completely and um, scored a few goals goals for them but, but also has been outstanding at times at the back and um, um, sadly has been injured um, for a number of weeks this season and has only just come back from that injury but um, he's um, he's a pivotal player for Colchester United now and I think he probably would be one of the first names on the team sheet given his form um, since he joined them. The other player, uh, someone that Wrexham were openly interested in, Jay Mingy. Obviously, he's sort of a bench player at the moment for Colchester United, but how's he getting on? Because he's always one who, when we look at maybe realistic transfer targets, he's a name who always sort of popped up, but maybe he's the indication that if he's not starting for Colchester, that he's maybe someone that Wrexham will have moved on from now themselves. Yeah, I mean, JJ's injured at the moment. He's got a hamstring injury. Um, he, he injured himself in an EFL trophy game a few weeks ago. And it was a real shame because he'd started to hit the kind of form that Colchester were hoping for. And we saw him um, have that kind of form at Portsmouth in particular. And, um, you know, he was, um, as you say, ex-West Ham youngster as well. There's links there with the Colchester sort of um, hierarchy. And, uh, you know, it's a real shame he's going to be out for a number of weeks now because of that hamstring problem. But he was just kind of starting to find the form that we were looking for and um, you know he's got a lot of competition in that midfield area but he was starting to start games for, for, for the U's and uh, yeah he's, um, he's one of those players I think that will be looking to establish himself once he's back and, and try and really kind of nail down a, a place in the team and, and get some regular football Obviously maybe the elephant in the room who we've not mentioned yet is the manager Phil Parkinson a manager who started his career off at Colchester United how is he remembered by U's fans? Very fondly, um, you know, he was the man that got Colchester United promotion um, to the championship for the first time in their history uh, back in 2006 and um, no one's emulated that and a lot of Colchester fans, if you ask them, will see Phil Parkinson as the, the greatest ever manager of Colchester United. Um, it was a shame, in a way, the way things ended for Phil at the U's because not long after um, Colchester won promotion under him. Um, he moved on to Hull City, um, which you know at the time you could see was a, a, an ambitious move on on his part, and you can understand why why he wanted to make that move because uh, because of the size of, of the club Hull City are. But um, you know never really got to say goodbye, perhaps to the U's fans after what he'd achieved. Um, but they always remember what what he did achieve at the club, and um, those memories um, are particularly cherished right now, where we see the club where they are in League Two, and it seems a far cry really from the days of Phil when he assembled a fantastic team uh, at Colchester United during his time there and, and it was, uh, ultimately it was his first ever managerial job so he was new to the, the role but um, it proved a, a fantastic decision to appoint him and um, you know I think now that dust has settled really on on Phil sort of leaving the club in the way he did and, and the fans were a bit unhappy at the time but now they, they really really do regard him very very highly um, for, for what he achieved there. So you reckon the away end will give him a round of applause on Saturday? 
I'd like to think so. Yeah, he certainly deserves one from them. And he's, he's been back at um, Colchester a few times. Obviously, since um, Phil left, um, they've moved from their layer road ground where he had so much success and um, have moved to a new stadium um, on the outskirts of the, of the city now. So um, it's a little bit different. But um, he's certainly, since he's been back at Colchester on occasions, um, he's always got a decent reception. And from my point of view, he certainly deserves one from, from everyone because of what he achieved there. John, we your bio says you've been a sports journalist 22 years. I'm sure you've seen lots of uh, Wrexham sides in your time there. What are your memories yourself of, of the fixture and just of Wrexham in general as a club? Well, it's interesting you say that because this is the first time I've ever um, seen a Wrexham Colchester game or, or will be seeing it because um, I started reporting on Colchester United in late um, 2005 and that was just um, after they played Wrexham for the last time. That was the last time they played them. I think Aidan Davison, the goalkeeper coach at Wrexham, was playing for Colchester that day um, and Phil was manager, I think, of Colchester. So uh, uh, this is my first taste of Wrexham Colchester United games. I'm really looking forward to it and um, really looking forward to going to the race course on Saturday is my first taste of it. So um, yeah, it's um, it's one where you know we have we haven't seen the clubs meet for a long time, so it just adds to the intrigue, I guess, of the fixture. I guess maybe one sort of broad question for you. I mean, we get lots of uh, listeners from across the world, lots of listeners who are maybe newer to the English football pyramid as well. Historically, then, you Wrexham would always sort of view themselves as a, a League One team. That's where they sort of see themselves and would like to be put in that pyramid obviously greater ambitions now to to go even further would you say Colchester United as well as sort of historically a, a league one team it's an interesting question I think you, you probably get different answers from from different fans really but um if you look at it statistically they, they've spent the majority of their history um, the vast majority of the history in, in the in the third and fourth tier of English football. They only spent two years in the second tier in the championship and that was when Phil Parkinson won, won the promotion and they had a fantastic first year there and finished 10th, which is their highest ever finish. Uh, and then the second season, unfortunately, got relegated. Never been there since. Um, and the majority of the time, aside from maybe a few couple of years in non-league in the early 90s, uh, they've been um, either you know, a third or a fourth tier club. And, um, you know, perhaps sometimes it's reminded that, you know, the expectation levels perhaps shouldn't be as high as they sometimes are with regard to the fan base they have and the size of it and the finances. Um, but, you know, most people would want them to be striving for at least League One level. And, and there's nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that kind of ambition. But, um, yeah, the, the majority of the time that they've spent in their, in their football history has, has been in the, in the bottom sort of two divisions of the, the English football pyramid, really. Now, John, the final question is one which, as a journalist, I know you'll absolutely hate predictions um, this week. I'm not asking you for a scorecast, but what are you expecting from Colchester? Like you said, they head into the game on the back of a few defeats. Wrexham, of course, didn't play last weekend. The match with Forest Green was postponed, so they might be a bit fresher, but may, might be a bit slower. Who knows? It often works either way. What are you expecting from Colchester's point of view? Because the free hit, to be devil's advocate, is always something to be wary of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd expect a reaction, actually, because um, they weren't happy with the performance against Crawley. Um, last Saturday, and they are better than than they showed in that game, and they and the four defeats will be hurting them. You know the the fact that they're um, a place above the relegation zone at the moment. They want to show on perhaps a higher stage with, with Wrexham being where they are, that, that they are better than they're showing at the moment. So um, I, I would expect um, a, a decent performance from Colchester United, especially as it's easy to forget that they have beaten some good teams in this division so far this season. They've beaten Gillingham. They, they won 3 nil at Gillingham earlier in the season and they beat Notts County earlier in the year. It wasn't so long ago that they beat them 5-4. So um, they are capable of, of getting results when people don't expect them to. So... Um, that, coupled with perhaps one or two players coming back from injury, possibly, um, will boost them. So, um, you know, this is my optimistic hat, being a Colchester United follower. Um, I would like to think that they can go there and put in a performance and perhaps sort of surprise one or two people. Like you mentioned there, Phil Parkinson might be getting a round of applause from all the fans in the stadium for, for what he achieved at Colchester, but they'll be coming to the race course with a point to prove. They do feel they should be doing a hell of a lot better than they are this season. It, the quirk of this league is that they are 
22nd, but they're only 11 points off the playoff. You know, I mean, you, you, you see every season a team makes a late dart for it up the table and it's about having momentum. Surely not. Surely not, Colchester. Surely not. But more so that, look, if they win a game, they could go to 19th. Win another, they could go to 14th. You don't know I mean like it only takes a couple of wins and, and that table can change. Win them all and they can win the league, Rich. Uh, but well, no, that's, in, in, that's in, one in, way to do it. In all seriousness, I was I was surprised for sure, just from the outside looking in, not knowing the first thing about Colchester. That was a great chat, by the way, that you had there. Um, I, I was staggered when he said, you know, playoffs at the minimum was basically the the, the expectation. And you know, Etherington came in; it was going well for him, and it could have been what was it, twelve out of twelve. And and they're massively underperforming. I think he's right, though, that I saw on social media they were bitterly disappointed with how they got on against Crawley. And, you know, they will need to show some fight early on. But it's it's a funny old game against Wrexham when you come away. If you sit off and you allow players like an Andy Cannon or Cota to dictate in front of you, you'll get picked off. You eventually, you, you're a sitting duck waiting to waiting to be knocked off, basically. And if you decide you want to go toe-to-toe, yeah, maybe. If you really go for it gung-ho at the beginning, maybe you can catch Wrexham a little bit cold. But if you decide you want to do the dance with Wrexham, you're probably going to end up on the floor because you will just not be able to compete. You know, reading Mullen's book, and um, if you haven't got it, definitely go and get it. It It is a really, really good book. If you I haven't think. got it, you're getting it for Christmas. There's your spoiler. Yeah, but, it, but I, it, it is really interesting in terms of just his mindset you know when he comes up against these defenders and i i just can't imagine him looking at these um cultures of defenders and from his perspective having any trepidation or fear you know yeovil put out that tweet didn't they say that they stopped paul mullen scoring and ended up losing 3-0 it's not going to happen very often and we'll see i think if colchester sit deep they're going to they'll probably struggle on the counter attack and if they come and try to go toe-to-toe, we could end up with another belter where we just both teams score a load of goals for fun. So I'm not too worried, but yeah, I'm expecting Colchester to come out the blocks at least because they need a response and you know they need to to prove to the fans that, that make the journey up. So Naif, to finish off this week's podcast, we will dip into the mailbag. We've been promising this for a few weeks. You can read out some of the best correspondence that we've had. As always, please keep them coming. RobBrianRed at gmail.com. You can also submit stuff to us on our website, RobBrianRed.com. Just use the contact page there. Yes, we've got one uh, via our website, RobBrianRed.com, from Rob Taylor. He put, great podcast as ever, guys. George Evans needs a special mention in the next mailbag. Um, He's put in a load of outstanding performances. He is solid, cool, and his distribution is accurate. Him, Liam Mullen are the first name on the team sheet each week for me. I don't need I don't need much uh, encouragement to tee up for gorgeous shores, do I? No, he's the heartbeat of this Wrexham team for me, and I've I always love a player like him who is just who just quietly goes about his work. He's just absolute class. He every every top team has that sort of defensive midfielder who just keeps everything ticking over, a level head, experienced, really cool and calm and collected. He just oozes class. I absolutely love George Evans and he is going to be integral to whatever happens for us in the next two to three years. He's a real coup and a player that when we signed, I, you know, I think we were all excited, but no one was maybe expecting this level of performance from him. His, his CV is very impressive. Maybe a few concerns of, of any player that drops down to League Two, even if it is for Wrexham, but my word, he just seems like a real model professional and a, a brilliant, brilliant player. Now, Jeff Wokingham uh, has sent us a message and left us a review, Rich. I'm not sure. I think this might actually be too kind. I don't know, Jeff, but you very, very... Are we going uh, to indulge in it or are we just going uh, to gloss over no, I'm. I'll read it out. Jeff's given us the big, and we're gonna. We're just gonna have to acknowledge it. He, Jeff, who is of no relation to me or Rich, I don't think, but he probably should be after this kind of praise. He put uh, this is the number one Wrexham podcast. Not sure about that. Covering Wrexham interviews are thorough, entertaining, and balanced. While the interplay, Rich, between Nathan and Rich, like a Lee and Mullen, uh, allows a deep dive of analysis, crucial issues of the day. Superb. Um, what else have we got here? We're gonna just gonna gloss over that because he's you know it's far too complimentary, really. Um, an American fan has got in touch. That's it. An American fan here has um put what have they put here? Um, 
when, when Welcome to Wrexham becomes old... I can see old... why we get such good reviews. It's really yeah, flawless. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It? When Welcome to Wrexham becomes old news and gets smaller attendances or drops off, there's a potential for sponsor revenue to drop. What does the Wrexham Academy programme need to add to get its pipeline of younger, cheaper, homegrown talents on par with Champions League sides? Um, when looking at Premier League salaries, that seems impossible for Wrexham. Um, so in terms of producing young players is vital. Now, I saw some quotes. It's about your academy week. status, though, isn't it? I yeah, mean... but I saw, Rich, but before you go, because you know about you know Man United's academy and Premier League academies. And firstly, you were getting pelters for even talking about Man United this week. So how dare you talk about Man United and Wrexham? Um, I would say that Max Kluwer gave some quotes this week about how he was quite honest and quite candid that it has been frustrating for him. He hasn't had many opportunities. He felt like maybe he was going to get some opportunities. I think he travelled down with the squad for the Forest Green game. He hasn't had many, you know, even with the injuries, he's been behind Ben Tozer, been behind Tom O'Connor, been behind Jordan Tunnicliffe, behind Aaron Hayden, behind Owen O'Connell, behind George Evans as an option at centre-back. It has been tough. We're both big fans of Max. He's the, you know, the prized bull, I guess, of the of the academy in recent years. You've seen Aaron James come through, Dan Davis of, of late, Owen Cushion. But really, to, to have a fully functioning academy, we had Wayne Phillips on many episodes ago. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. He, he talks passionately about that. There's, there's some way to go, isn't it, Rich? But it is important down the line. You can't just keep signing players. You do need to produce your own. Yeah, there's a duty of care and responsibility for Wrexham to nurture the best talent in North Wales. And we've said for years that some of Wrexham's best ever players have been players that have been homegrown and have come through the academy when we've not had a proper functioning academy system in place, we've lost lots of talent as well. They've gone elsewhere. They've gone to the likes of Everton, Man United, even going to teams such as Shrewsbury or TNS, other teams closer to North Wales. You just you lose out if you don't have the proper infrastructure to, in place to keep them and if you don't have the uh, just the facility, really, to, to nurture these young talents. But the problem is that it's really, really expensive to do. And the best teams in, in the world have elite academies because they can af- afford to absorb those costs and they can afford to take that hit in the case that, you know, it gives them a multi-million pound talent in, in the years ahead. So there's always got to be investment. It's difficult from a business point of view because to get the ball rolling, you won't see fruition for, for a number of years, really. And I guess ultimately for Wrexham, it's difficult to nurture that talent right now because we're in a position where in the past, part of our, you know, the reason we had to rely on youth players is because we couldn't afford to buy players. And you think of Brian Flynn's team and that team that beat Arsenal in 92. And you think of Wrexham in the 90s, we only avoided relegation because of some football league quirks. We we finished rock bottom of the football league. We could have been doomed into non-league football. Uh, so we had to use youth players because we just didn't have the personnel available. And, you know, it's similar to, to, to Wales's revolution when John Toshak fielded loads of young players, sort of took a short-term hit in the hope of a, of a long-term gain in that regard. And for Wrexham's point of view right now, it's difficult to to nurture talent because ultimately are you going to play someone who's 16 or 17 and local or are you going to go buy someone who's much better right now and then fix fix you short term you know from league one or league off from the championship and Wrexham's sort of tunnel vision right now is just to get promoted and win 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 at all cost and sometimes it's difficult to nurture talent along the way obviously there's ways to do it where you slowly integrate players you give them minutes here and there slowly sort of expose them to the first team the loan market helps with that but in terms of actually building the academy it is a hell of a lot of money particularly if you want a very very good one i mean academy status is ranked on your productivity rate your training facilities your coaching your education and your welfare provisions now i'm not sure how you'd be able to get a very good academy status if you don't own the training facility yourself which wrexham obviously don't training ground is still something they're trying to work on productivity rate You've got Jordan and you've got Max. You've obviously got bigger staff as well. It's a pretty decent hit rate there. Coaching, Wrexham have very good coaches, but again, a big investment would be needed to to be up there with the very best. Education and welfare provisions are things you've got to sort of work on. But, you know, very few teams have elite academy status in, in the UK. Um, I think Category 1, there was only about 20 teams or so that have that Category 1 status and they're mostly all Premier League and then the richest championship teams have that. So 
Wrexham aren't going to be able to get a sort of Academy 1. I mean, yeah, Academy 2, Academy 3 levels, what Wrexham should be aiming at, but it's a, it's a hell of a lot of money. And right now, Wrexham's money is being spent on making the squad better and renovating the stadium and then it's... hopefully getting a permanent training ground. So it's difficult. It's a process, Rich. It's a process. And ultimately, you need to see a pathway. I'm going to leave you with this final one, and then you're going to wrap us up, and then we're going to carry on with the rest of our week. So thank you all for listening. This one uh, was on YouTube. So if you went and watched the Arthur Oconquo video, we asked, can Wrexham keep Arthur Oconquo? And we got this message from OK, uh, which said, I don't really follow Wrexham, but as an Arsenal supporter, I 100% think you should try and sign him permanently. He's not breaking into the first team at Arsenal. And if Wrexham get promoted to League One, he might be convinced to join the project. Let's say Wrexham go the same trajectory as Luton and get into the Premier League in 10 years from the National League. Oconquo will be 30 in his prime and be more than ready for the Premier League then. He would right now be the perfect goalkeeper signing if you could afford it. Now, obviously, we've given all our thoughts on Oconquo. Um, Hopefully, he's back soon. I know he's had his surgery. That was a success. And now he's on the mend. I also got a message this week saying that from someone who'd had similar surgery that it is very difficult to enjoy your food after you have surgery on your jaw. So it is a slow process, but fingers crossed he's on the mend very soon. Wishing Arthur the best, wishing Rob Lainton the best. We've got a banged up goalkeeping department. It'll be no doubt be Mark Howard in goal at the weekend with Luke McNicholas's backup. Um, also, a quick shout out to the, all the people that are leaving comments on Spotify under the episodes. Under each episode, if you do listen on Spotify, you see a Q&A of what you thought of the episode. If you want to raise anything there, you can do, and we publish those, and they are live for all to see on Spotify. So thank you so much. Follow on YouTube if you haven't already. And Rich, another episode, 150 in the can now. Can you believe it? I can't believe that we've recorded for an hour when there's not been a match to talk about. Jesus, we are indulgent, aren't we? Thank you very much, as as always. Um, yeah, we could sing them out with 150, 150 Wrexham FC. I mean, one next year it'll be 160, 160 Wrexham FC. It'll also be episode 200 next year of Rob Round Red. So who knows if those two events will will cross over at all? But yeah, thank you so much for for listening. Thank you so much for your support again throughout the year. Massive shout out to Red 10 People Development for their continued support and their sponsorship of the podcast. Once again, a plug for Aaron's Army doing their bucket collection ahead of the Wrexham game against Colchester this weekend. Massive thank you to Wrexham-based band Hypnotic for letting us use the music, the stings as well. Take care. We'll see you again next time. And hopefully, just hopefully, we'll have some football to talk about. Take care. We'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.